to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and I refuse to let you or the world corrupt me, friend of the pod. Today, we're discussing the credibility gap and how the church can close it. Barry is rolling out his blackboard to help us get really relevant and discuss why Christians are so hypocritical. But before we get rid of all this filth and evil in our lives, now that they've looked in the mirror and forgotten what they look like, let's welcome in our favorite co-host, Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. Good day. <laughs> Good day. You are you're extra amped. You're extra, extra amped, amped up today. You you sound more and more like well, a monster truck announcer. We took a week like, off. The longer this thing goes, I've just ha- I've just had pod energy <laughs> coursing through my veins for two weeks. Just gotta let it out. That's what happens. It gets pent up. Yeah. Coursing through your veins. Yeah, guys, how are mm. you? I will answer honestly that I am hanging in there. That's how I've been mm. answering people when they ask hanging me. In I'm there. not going to lie and say I'm doing great. I'm just hanging in there. I'm going to stab myself with a machete <sighs> and then Friends I will die. Pod. Keep us in your prayers. We are in the middle of a very challenging uh, time at Grace. A lot of big, huge decisions and discussions and changes. And um, we're actually announcing kind of what all that is this coming weekend. So I'm sure next week's pod will get into depth, go into depth about all the stuff that's happening and changing and everything. But for now, just, just know that I'm routinely working like 12 hour days late into the night, meeting with the governing board, meeting with. That's fun. So yeah, um, it's say it's the, the best way to put it is (laughs) we're having a blast. Yeah, that's the it. best. There's no other the way. The best to say, way to put it. We're having a ball. It is a. Well, what's what's kind of crazy is you know yeah as a staff we're we're in this um, really crazy season, tense, difficult, um, lots of important decisions to be made. But we also just reopened in person services for the first time in nearly three months. Yeah. Well, as and I've so, said, uh huh. As I've said since I've been employed here. If if something seems easy, we're not doing it right. <laughs> Nothing is allowed to be easy. So why don't we do this major shift in the future of grace while also reopening? Because in a pandemic. Yeah, in a pandemic. Sure, let's do that. Because nothing should be easy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right, anyway, so, so I'm, I'm hanging in there. Moving on, everybody's doing great. I don't know if you can gr- see it still. Do you see this? There's like a red Your hairline? Wall. Oh. No, there's that. Of course, that's a that's a major disaster in my hairline. But <laughs> like, there's like a red I hate to tell you, it's been that way for a little bit. You're not losing your hair because of this. You're, yeah, I wish you could see him pointing. <laughs> at the other, the other, it's like it's basically just straight up my receding hairline is that red well. But the other night, oh, no. uh, Liv was like, "What? What's that on your forehead? Like, what happened? Did you get scratched?" And I was like, "I don't know. Did Cleo scratch me or whatever?" And then the next morning, I saw it in the mirror, and it was this big, ugly red scratch. And I was like, "What?" And then I remembered a chicken launched off my head the other night and that's why I got a big red scratch on my head. That's all. What in the world? I was trying to pick up Chelsea, Chelsea, the chicken for whatever reason, even in the mid, the dead of winter has gotten into the habit of roosting at night on top of something that is not the actual coop with all the other chickens. And since she needs their, their body heat to like stay warm, they all kind of cuddle together. Like she's going to freeze if she stays out there by herself. So every single night when I put, when I tuck the chickens into bed, I have to pick up Chelsea who hates it, take her over and then put her in the coop with the rest of them. And then she usually finds her way up there. But You're the other night, boy. she was not feeling it. I tried to pick her up. She started like trying to run away. And then she just decided to like fly up, launch off of my head and get into the coop herself. So, so you got to. Chicken launch scratch. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's a on chicken your head. launching pad. 
She used my receding hairline to launch into the stratosphere. Good for her. I thought you were going to tell me it was like a stress scar or something. Oh, that reminds me. This will be my entire update. I'll just tell you this because this is definitely not the priority in my life right now. But so we got an email. This this person has been raising chickens. They've been getting picked off one by one by like coyotes or foxes or whatever. And she has just this one hen left over who they're social creatures. They need to be with one another. And she's like, I just I don't want this hen to be by herself all winter. Would you guys be willing to adopt her? And Liv, I, I, I told Liv, Hey, check your email. There's a, there's a chicken that might need to get adopted. And she's like, I'll respond immediately. And she did. And so I think we're probably going to be adding another member to our flock here, uh, pretty soon in the dead of winter. But so what are we up to? Like seven? That would be seven chickens. Yeah. It's a good number. So anyway, that's the, that, that is very high on my priority list in the middle of all the other stuff going on is, uh, chicken family, but I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> What's up with you guys? <laughs> yeah, we were over the other day and, uh, you know, we've we've gone through the journey. Like, we were here. We were on the pod the day or the day after you got these chickens. And not shortly thereafter, uh, the the boy, Chester. Chester. What happened to him? He had, to, he had to get like a haircut and he lost all his tail feathers. <laughs> yeah. The other hens, all when he was still a baby, they picked out, pecked out all of his tail feathers and they have still not grown turns back. Turns out... <laughs> Turns out he still doesn't have he's, them. He looks he looks like a weirdo. Yeah, he's pretty walking much around weirdo. without any his, tail. His head feathers. feathers grew back fine, and now he's yeah. Got his, his, he's got a million hair. head feathers. He looks like a reverse chicken. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's wrong. I like I don't know if there's something you can do to fix that. Uh, is there an ointment we can be putting on his like tail, his butt feathers? But whatever the case, oh, no. poor little tailless Chester who attacks me routinely. Yeah. Uh, Whenever I'm trying to help, I'm like, I'm trying to give you guys water and food. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> every time. Uh, all right. Marin, how are you doing? Great, guys. Yeah. Great. Everybody's um, everybody's uh, homeschooled. They're not homeschooled, but uh, <laughs> remote, remote learning. Yeah, still. Including um, Jed. No. Oh, no, Jed's back. Jed's, yeah. So Indianapolis schools went went back in person full time at oh. least his how come his every time did. i talk to you jed's just like lurking in the background then <laughs> <laughs> every time he does he does tend to lurk that is true but i think the last time he talked to me was like in the after work hours oh, okay. so he was lurking sense. in his own home <laughs> yeah um no so he's uh he's back to work and the kids are doing the school thing remotely um yeah and i'm Helping to reopen the Fisher's campus. We got campus student drivers. Huh? We got student drivers. How are they handling this? Two of them. Um, how about just they're not? Ah, that's probably the best. They're just it's not probably for the best. You know, something something happened when we all got sick with COVID. It took away the kids' smell, taste, and desire to drive anywhere. <laughs> oh, they have no <laughs> desire to drive anymore. That didn't stop they you from just... leaving the magnet on your car. No, I think it makes people nicer to me. Student driver magnet. magnet. I leave the magnet on my car full time because I don't want to forget to put the magnet on when my students are actually driving. But what I have found is that people are much more Mm. gracious to me, you know, as a as a driver. I just leave it on there. They're just nicer. They're nicer. I wonder if they see you and they think, huh. What a cool story. Good for her getting her driver's license. 
<laughs> see, I was thinking they see me and they're like, my, that young teen behind the wheel right. is yeah, just no, that's... doing a masterful <laughs> job of handling this roundabout. Yeah. That's what hey, I would like to think. I uh, hate to tell you this, but I think you're, this is off. This is separate that I'm going to probably cut out, but you're, I think your mic is <laughs> peaking. My mic is yeah. peaking? I keep hearing Good it. Good like, Lord. Check one, two. Ah, that ah, sounds ah, better. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, never mind. I'm not cutting this out. <laughs> Quality yeah, pause, guys. There, I fixed it. Uh, I did notice uh, yesterday you were here. You were at the 146th Street campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only reason I knew you were here is because you your big yellow student driver sticker was in the guest <laughs> parking spot. <gasps> Save for You're guests. You're going to call me <laughs> out wow. right now? Wow. So... I, mean, I hate to say it. Listen. I wouldn't have known it was you had I not seen that big yellow <laughs> okay. sticker. You're right. Take the big yellow sticker off if I'm going to <laughs> yeah. ignore parking can I, regulations. Can I point yeah. out something really funny about those guest parking spots? Like we are all just absolute like rule followers, except Marin, obviously. But we're all such absolute rule followers <laughs> throughout COVID. Even when our offices were closed and we had no one in church, we still nobody parks in those guest parking spots. <laughs> like we treat them as That's like true. sacrosanct. Listen, guys, it was the end of the day. I don't know what kind of guests you were expecting, <laughs> no. and I was running late. So every Friday there. I come here, and I'm one of the only people that are in the building. Yeah, and. I have parked in those spots before Ooh. because the building's closed right. and I'm like, nobody else is going to be here, but I feel weird every time I do it. I'm like, Oh, I hope I don't get caught Looking over your shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but everything's good, Marin. You guys are good. Hanging in. You got everybody's healthy now. Yeah. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Everybody's healthy. Um, even like we, we, we had the celebratory moment a couple days ago. Um, Jed, you know, had knee surgery this time last year, Mm -hmm. like this, this week last year, like he's, he's at that one year anniversary mark and (laughs) just being able to like shoot around a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he's doing a lot more than he was able to do all year. So it's really just been, uh, quite a year of coming through challenges for the Gaffron family. And we're, we're optimistic um, moving ahead. And I know I've mentioned it two times already, but I can't tell you what a joy it was to reopen Fishers in person mm. this weekend. Good. So I am excited about rehearsal on Thursday. I'm excited to get back in the room on Sunday. It's just so, so good to see everybody's faces. Great. Yeah. And I wasn't the only one that felt that way. And that, you know, yeah. it's just so cool when, when everyone who hasn't seen each other in close to three months starts to kind of yeah. Just mm-hmm. huddle, you know, around the stage or in the lobby or whatever. So it, that is the highlight of my week. Great. That was great. All right. Um, the perfect transition to week one. You're not going to tell us how you're new doing, sermons. Tyler? Well, I, I, all right. Every, every, Tyler. every week there's plumbing issues. All right. So I don't even <laughs> want to get into it. Last night, my, my children flooded my parents' basement and we spent. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. My children. Was Lane involved? Your right, baby child, was your infant involved? My my possessed <laughs> child. Stop, stop, stop. Maybe obsessed. He's obsessed with the toilet. He's three years old. He's obsessed with the toilet because it seems it seriously seems like every few weeks there's a there's a flooding of the house mm-hmm. story. And <laughs> every three weeks. We we have family dinner at my parents' house every week, Tuesday, every Tuesday where my sisters and nieces or not nieces. We don't have any nieces, nephews 
and sisters are all joining and we're all eating dinner. And last night, you know, we probably should have been in the basement with the, with the boys probably should have been in some kind of oversight, <laughs> but we weren't. Yeah. And I opened the door to, to announce that, uh, it is now time for dessert. Uh, your aunt has Valentine's day candy for you. Come upstairs and get some. So they both run around the corner of the basement stairs and they're both completely naked. <laughs> And I'm like, what is going on? What? Why? Where's your pants? And as one is running, rounding the corner around the stairs, they slip and they I see them slide across the, the view of the stairs, which tells me the floor is wet. Yeah. The floor is wet. And so initially I'm like, oh, you guys went potty on the floor, I guess. And so I go down there. <laughs> nope. Didn't go potty on the floor. Uh, the entire toilet was stuffed with things, <laughs> toilet paper, things. And flushed <laughs> a bunch of times just until it was like going under the walls. Classic. Uh, now you say things. Were there toys? Were there objects? There was were clothes in the toilet. I don't know if there were toys. Clothes. Down. Yeah, there were cl- <laughs> clothes in the toilet. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, my dad ended up getting the shop vac out. He was vacuuming water uh, off the floor. It was coming from underneath the walls. Oh, it was. Oh, um, no. Yeah, everybody thought it was funny when it happened to my house, but then happens to his house and not so funny. So I don't. I, here I am talking about it. I didn't want to talk Sorry, about it, I but asked, that's that's what's new with me. <laughs> um. All right, we're in week one of credibility. Yeah, <laughs> we are. Sermon series, credibility gap. Um, Barry, you. This is a four week series, right? It is a five week series. Oh, all right. Dang it. Had to get something wrong. Every time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so week one, credibility gap. Um, we're focusing on like a new or a different topic or um, a reason or thing that people think about Christians yeah. that would widen credibility gap. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to kind of redefine what, what that sure. means. If you haven't seen the sermon this past weekend, I, I encourage you to go watch it or listen to it because Barry, like I said, brought out his chalkboard to... <laughs> Um, I've been doing that a lot lately. It's, it's, it's the last it. one for a while with the chalkboard. Chalkboard, yeah. Barry. Um, so f- you focus mostly on James chapter one. Yeah. Um, and for anybody who hasn't seen it yet or heard it, what what uh, what was kind of the big idea? What's the big idea of the series? And then what was the big idea of this past weekend? Yeah, the, the series is basically us acknowledging that there are negative perceptions of the church in our culture today. And if, if we want to talk about trying to reach the lost or to make disciples of Jesus, we've got to acknowledge the fact that the people that we want to reach with the love of Jesus, many of them have actually negative perceptions of the church. It's not that the days of like, Oh, Jesus who are gone. And the days of ugh, Christians are here and we've got mm. to acknowledge that. Mm. And we've got to be willing to not just see, okay, well, what do you, perceive about the church, but what are we going to do about it? And so that's what the series is. It's, it's an opportunity for us to commit together that we're going to do better as individuals. And as a church, we're going to do better so that we can reach those who are lost. Um, this particular week, uh, we talked about the first of five perceptions that I hear over and over and over again from people, uh, about, you know, about the church, about Christians. And the first perception was that Christians are hypocritical. We, that, you know, we, we say, we believe one thing, we, you know, say one thing's important to us, but we do something that's opposite of that. So 
basically got into that and talked uh, about James who laid it out and essentially said, look, you've got the word of God planted in your heart. And, and the word of God, as I explained is, is more than just the Bible. It's, it's Christ himself. It's God's intentions for the world that is planted in your heart. You got to live in a way that reflects that it's planted in your heart. And so, Mm. um, all that to say, it was, it was a reminder to us that we, we should be living as if Christ was the one operating our hands and feet and mouth. And, uh, and by doing so we can perhaps start to close the credibility gap a little bit. (coughs) So there you go. There's a little cough for you. Yeah, no, it's good. Um, so yeah, the, the, the theme or the topic this week is hypocrisy, like you said. And, um, so you focus primarily on James one chapter one verses 19 through 25. And as it relates to hypocrisy, um, I've got a lot of thoughts (laughs) Uh and, uh, it was very, uh, convicting, very Mm. convicting sermon. Um, and it's one of those, and I say this often when I'm convicted (laughs) by something (laughs) that we talk about at grace, but it's like, it's one of those things where we can sit around and be like, sometimes we sit around and we're like, Hey, I hope so-and-so is paying attention to this or Mm. like my wife and I, that morning, Sunday morning, we were having a conversation about something. And on the way out, it was like, man, that one was for me. That wasn't for anyone else. That one one was for (laughs) me. Um, but as it relates to hypocrisy, 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 um, it's really easy to point, look around the room, point the finger yeah. and say like, yeah, you guys are all hypocrites. Right. You got everybody in here, Christians, you guys are hypocrites. Uh, it's easier to do that than it is to admit that maybe I'm a hypocrite too. Mm. And what I think you did at the end of the sermon, the seri- the the service was you asked pointed questions for the individual. How have you been selfish? Mm-hmm. How can you act out of self-giving love? It's not like, how can we do this? Because I, I think sometimes when we use the we, uh, we are letting everybody off the right, hook. We're letting right. me off the hook when we say we. Right. So um, I appreciate that you wrap the weekend by asking asking those questions, like mm-hmm. where have you been selfish and what can you do that's different? Um, so I've thought a lot about this uh, as, as a, a Christian myself and a staff member of a church. And let me, let me tell the friends of the pod a little secret. Um, since I've been employed, um, people ask me, you know, how come we don't have like Grace Church bumper stickers? I'm like, well, uh, we'll get around to it. But why don't we pass bumper stickers or like yard signs about the church? It's a great way to get our name out and get people interested in, in Grace Church. And 100% the reason is because of this topic right here. <laughs> it's because I don't want people, God's beloved creation, driving around the city, getting flipped off. Oh, no, uh, it's me. Getting it's flipped me. the bird by... It's my fault. <laughs> what? It's me. If I had a grace bumper sticker and I was parked in the guest parking. <laughs> well, I, I was going to use that as a segue. All right. Yeah. So I don't want people, God's beloved creation, getting flipped the bird by people brake checking them on 465 with a you were made for more sticker on their <laughs> on their car. All right. Uh, I don't want our church to be in the yard in a yard sign uh, that doesn't tip their door dasher when they're delivering mm. food. I don't want that. I don't want that. And so it it's real and it's rampant and it's a lot easier to be like, you are the problem, right. but right. I'm hypocrite. Number one, like 
we talk, yeah, I mean, you say care for the orphans and widows and every week I come on this show and I'm like, I don't even like people, much less orphans <laughs> and widows. Like, I don't want to be around people. So as, as we're talking about the hypocrisy and we're saying you need to think about this, you need to think about selfishness. I'm going to ask you guys, like, how, how is this impacting you personally? And I don't want to talk about everybody else. I want to talk about us and what we can do to be less this way. Yeah. And and that's actually a good reminder just to kind of say one of the little things that I, I, little caveats I started with is a reminder that this whole series, even though we're talking about, you know, perceptions of the church, we're not talking about other churches. We're not talking about other Christians. We're talking about us and how we can do better. So you're right, Tyler. Yeah. This is, this isn't about out there. This is about in here in our hearts. Um, All right. Another confession. Okay. A couple years ago, Dave Rodriguez said, stop watching Game of Thrones. Guess who didn't wa- stop watching Game of Thrones? Me. All right. So I'm hypocrite number one. I confess. And being in, admitting that you're a hypocrite is harder. Seems like a really, than, really important time Tyler, for you. I feel, Tyler, do you want to keep I feel like you or? have been carrying that for years. Yeah, I've been waiting. I remember when he said that. And I remember how it made you feel. I was and so mad. You're still talking like, about don't you that tell like me. two years later. Yeah. Here we are. Wow. I'm wow. a hypocrite. I'm glad you got that off your chest. All right. Um, well, I want to I want to start by just asking and you might have done this in your in your intro Barry. I'm sorry if I missed it, but can you just define for us again what nuns are? Who nuns are because I feel like we say that word, we mm-hmm. say nuns, but I feel like you know, again, we know how it is around here. If you miss one sermon where that word was explained, right. The next time we use that word, totally. it, it, you might not you might not know what it means. So nuns are women who have dedicated their lives to the service of Christ <laughs> in the Catholic oh Church. Goodness. No. They are married <laughs> to the Lord. Uh, nuns, N-O-N-E-S, are, it's just a way that someone came up with to describe people who, when asked the question, what religious faith do you have? They just said none. I don't have one. I don't have religious faith. They're not even atheist. They're just, they just don't have religion. That's kind of who they are. Mm-hmm. And what I said at the beginning of the message was that that is, as the statistics show, the fastest growing religious group in America is people who just don't, mm-hmm. don't have one, don't have religion. So that's what that is. Is it because they're hostile or is it because they're just like, eh? Well, that, my point really, was, I mean, in I the don't message really is don't like, care. Some of them are just, eh, but a good number of them are actually pretty hostile. One in five non-Christians mm-hmm believe that the church is actively damaging to society. So that should make us mm-hmm. sit up and take notice because wait, one in five Christians, one in five non-Christians okay. think that the church is actively damaging. Like 40% of non-Christians believe that the church is just irrelevant, but one in five think yeah. that it's actually actively bad. And so we really wow. need to pay attention to that. Even if we might want to say, well, that's their fault. Like, no, I think yeah. we can talk about how we've, what, what role we've played in helping them think that way. Mm. So why'd you ask about nuns, Marin? Because I, as I re-listened to your sermon, faces, names, people I know started to come to my mm. mind and I'm like, Oh yeah, that's Heather. Mm. You know, that somebody who, you know, wasn't raised to have faith herself. She has children now. She's not raising her children to have faith. And she absolutely would be in that 1% that thinks that Christianity is a, a dangerous, uh, damaging force 20%. in our world. Mm-hmm. And then there's 20%, what is it? one in five. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah 20%. Yeah, yeah. One in, so she would be the one out of the yeah. five. 
definitely her and her husband would be the one out of the five. And then I think of Jed's friends and they're more just like the meh, right. mm. you know, I wasn't brought up in church. I'm not going yeah. to church. I have kids and my kids are not going to church. Like it's, it's more than just statistics. I am attaching this to real families that are actively involved in me and Jed's lives. And we are actively involved in their lives. And the more like one name would lead to another name would lead to another name. And it just started to become so very real to me how personal and how close to home this is. One of Jed's friends, um, who's a good friend of Jed's since he become a good friend, I think through playing basketball, but he lives right up the street from the 146th street campus. Mm. And Jed has been just a, a friend to this guy. You know, he's, he's not ready to come to church yet. He uh, visited a mass with his wife over Christmas. And he sent my husband this text saying, you know, I sat here this whole time and I was like, if you're real, just show yourself to me. And so it's like there's there's a curiosity and an openness yeah. there. But this person would fall into this category of having no religious affiliation, having kids with no religious affiliation. And so that's that's how I'm processing this is more just like, OK, this applies directly to families that we love. And as I'm looking at your questions for prayer and self-reflection, mm. I'm wondering how would that impact them? If I performed an act of self-giving love to show that my faith is alive, what would that look like? How, how can I, how can I perform that act of self-giving love in a way that is a witness and a testimony to yeah. them? Mm. Y- yeah. You know what I mean? Um, obviously I want to do those things in my everyday life, but more specifically, Man, if I want to close the credibility gap between Christianity and my friend Heather back home or between Jed and his friends, if I want to close this credibility gap, practically speaking, how can I do that? Hmm. One of the the ways that I kind of feel a bit convicted by all this is, um, you know, that James talks about the favoritism, like, oh, you know, if, if you treat a rich person who comes into your meeting one way, but you treat someone who's poor another way. Um, what I've, what I've realized is I don't have favoritism about wealth. Like I don't think I do like that's not, that doesn't really operate in my mind. I don't think of people in terms of, of their wealth. I don't even know when what you're wearing is expensive or not. I don't know anything about cars. (laughs) Like I don't, I don't look at, that doesn't do anything for me. But what I realized though, is there are other aspects in which I do act in favoritism based on, I don't know, a way that a person talks or lives or behaves or things that they align themselves with or are into. And I just, I don't know. I'm like, I I could give you probably some like silly examples. Like, I don't know. I probably, I probably am more likely to have an engaging conversation with someone who's really passionate about board games or video games than I am to maybe Tyler, maybe he's very excited. What? I'll use another example. Someone who's very passionate about insects than someone who's super passionate about like football. Right. That's probably a lame example, but, but I do notice in my life, I will, I will give more of myself, more of my attention to people that I'm interested in than, Mm -hmm. than others. And I don't know, maybe that's a really lame example, but that just pops into my head as I think about the favoritism aspect of this. And 
Mm-hmm. I should be as a, as a representative of Christ, I should have like abundant love for every single soul that comes in my path. And I should be able to mm-hmm. take an active interest in all of them. And I, I have to work sometimes to take an interest in others. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, so it's something I work on. It's something I have to work on, especially I'm a pastor. Shoot. Like I should, I should be the, uh, the overflowing well of joy and interest. And I, I'm always envious of some of the other pastors that I've known and worked with who like have this encyclopedic knowledge and just a overflowing interest in others where they'll be like, Oh, how's your cat's ankle? You know, like from six years ago, (laughs) you know, and like, I just, I struggle to do that. And it's, if I'm honest, it's because I just, I don't always take the time to care. (laughs) And so, well, and how much of that is favoritism and how much of that is just human nature ease. What's that? Ease. 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 Like it's easy yeah. for Jed, a lover of football, to talk to another lover of football. He doesn't know a whole lot about bugs and he sure don't care about board yep. games. You know what I mean? It's mute muter. Can we mute Mount <laughs> Marin? <laughs> it's I mean, it is easier for us to talk to people in our circles, I think is what I'm trying yeah, to say. But yeah. I think I think but it doesn't mean we should stay yeah, there. But I would say like I, I I'll just be like hyper honest here and say like there are times when like I probably look down on being a fan of sports sometimes. Cause I'm like sports, that's whatever, you know, I don't know. It sh- I shouldn't cause it's just completely <laughs> Neanderthals. harmless. No, it's not, not that, but it's just like, I don't know. I feel like it's like, there are better hobbies. There are more interesting things to be interested in, <laughs> I don't, which is so it's yeah, favoritism, yeah. Yeah. even like, if it's like not bugs. like hostile or like damaging <laughs> and don't get me wrong. Like I do yeah. enjoy sports occasionally. It's just sometimes I think like, why are you letting your entire emotional landscape be framed by whether a team won or lost? <laughs> like that to me seems kind of ridiculous. So, yeah. And that's funny. Cause I would say the same thing about uh-huh. games. Like Jed was playing a game the other day and he did not sound like he was having fun. <laughs> and I was like, how is this enjoyable? Why are you this upset <laughs> over this game? So I guess that Maybe goes it both ways. Maybe it does. But yeah. <laughs> so one of the questions I have about this topic, the favoritism or hypocrisy, uh, is is there a destination for this? Or is this always going to be an issue? Like, um, the the possibility of being sanctified, I feel like that's that's going to happen. Like, that's never. I'm never going to know that that's finished, or it will never be finished. It'll always be a journey, and um, so you ask these questions. You know, how am I being selfish, and how do I fix it? But there's never going to be. Like, is it possible to not have favoritism? Do is it? I mean, I don't know. I think I think what's possible is that you can grow in this to the point where you start to recognize it far more quickly and start to understand. Mm-hmm. And and even things like, you know, hypocrisy, you can start to notice it when you're being hypocritical and and when you practice the self-giving love over and over again, we've talked about this before, the more it becomes a part of who you are and how you operate, you can improve. I don't know that anybody's ever going to be fully selfless in this life because then we would be Jesus. And I don't think that's possible. So Mm. we have Christ in us and we're being transformed into his likeness. We've got the spirit within us, but, um, so I don't know. I don't know how you'd answer that, Marion. I think it's a, it's always a journey, but I think improvement is always possible. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree with you. As long as we are stuck with this sin nature, as long as we are this side of heaven, it's something that we're not going to ultimately perfect. Um, like you said, that would make us Jesus. <laughs> um, but it is something again and again that we are challenged to do in so many different passages of the Bible and saying it in different ways. Like I might, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, Jesus telling us to take up our crosses daily. Mm. What does that mean? What does that mean to die to yourself? We call it self-giving love, you know, but it's the same as like crucifying your sin nature, (laughs) dying to yourself. Um, And hypocrisy is definitely one of those things that would be nailed to the cross if we were to pick up our crosses Mm. every day. Um, And so again, that takes practice that takes discipline. um, And we will become more like him, Mm. this side of heaven, we will become more like him. Hypocrisy is just like, it, it's, it's revolving around what you say and what you do. Like that's the nature of it. Right. It's, in the fact that we live in a world of nuns, something that's become clear is like people are watching us, people, <clears throat> whether it's your neighbors, whether it's national, uh, whether it's people um, that you interact with at the store or whatever, they're, they're watching your behavior. They're, and, you know, if you have a Grace Church bumper sticker in your car, it's like, well, guess you, you're not really uh, living out what you say you're going to live out. So it has everything to do with actions, um, actions and words. And so the easy answer is just like, how do, how do, how do Christians not be hypocritical? The easy answer is just like, do what you say, do what you say you're going to do. Right. Um, but um, the, the criticism of, I think, non-Christians is, is less like, maybe it, maybe it's both. And it's like, uh, it's not just not doing what you say you're going to do. It's like, you guys say that you love everybody. Right. Right. But you don't. (laughs) Right. Because of favoritism or whatever. Um, that's the perception. And that is, I guess that is doing what you say you're going to do, but, um, it's all about it's all about like watching what you say about what you yeah. are going to do, right? Like that's that's the nature of not being hypocritical. Right. I I've been capturing as these responses from people who are outside of the church or who even are in, in the church but have a credibility gap with the church or have been burned by the church. I've been capturing these responses and um like I said in the message there's like hundreds of them from that people Mm -hmm. have sent in and it's really, it's sobering to read them all. But like some of the things that you hear, uh, from people is like, I hear the Christians are hateful on social media and in real life. Like, um, Mm. Christians are some of the meanest people I know, uh, the hate and the meanness they use on social media, like a whole bunch of people (laughs) use that as an example. It's what, it's what we say. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's what we say versus what we do. And It's what we say. It's how we say it. Yeah. Yeah. Or this person said, uh, the idea that they can pray for a parking spot at a store and justify the result either way as being hashtag blessed, but they can't bring themselves to care about societal (laughs) issues like race, environment, women's rights, or other cultures. Like that's another, very specific. Mm. It's very, it's very specific. Yeah. 
Um, that tells me that that person had that experience with somebody. Sounds like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yikes. And it's, it's way easier said than done, but it's basically, it comes down to like, just, just watch what you say. Mm. Don't pretend to be something you're not like Mm. watch what you say and pretend, don't pretend to be something you're not. And if you're going to say really nice things, but you're going to do bad stuff, which one is real? Which one's real? Right. Mm-hmm. You own your sin. Right. It doesn't mean you're living in your sin. You, need, you don't need to live it, but own it. Because part of the problem, part of the problem I think churches have to deal with historically is just seeming like or saying things like we have all the answers. Mm. We have all the answers of how to live, how to, how to, you know have a, how to have a good life. And then you see news clips of pastors, you know, scandals Mm. and what, whatever. So it's like, they're pretending to be something that they're maybe not. Right. And so it it just, I mean, it's really simple, but it's like, watch what you say, (laughs) watch what you say and don't pretend to be something you're not. And, um, and if you, if you claim to follow Christ, then do the things that he did and, and live out the things that he taught us to live out like actually yeah. put into practice the things yeah. that he, that he actually <laughs> asked us to do. Um, don't just, is, don't just talk about is, it. Like, like James saying, you know, you see a, a person with no food or clothing and saying goodbye and have a great day, stay warm and well-fed, but then not giving them any yeah. food. It's mm. like, that's not, that's hypocrisy because you're, you're not actually doing anything. You're not putting your money where your mouth is. Yeah. 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 There was an old song uh, from like the Jesus movement of the seventies. I think Keith Green wrote it and it's about that mm. passage. It's called asleep in the light. And it's basically about the hypocrisy mm. of the church, you know, turning a blind eye to the needs of the world while just kind of like patting each other on the back and making themselves feel good. So my mother <laughs> sang that church, that song, she sang that song at our church. Um, she was not asked to sing again. <laughs> a little too, oh, cut is, too deeply. It's, it is a painful thing to have to look at our hypocrisy, big C church, mm. the church, our hypocrisy in the face. And for some people it's so painful. They, they just don't even want to talk right. about it. Just, yeah. Just forget it. Just shut it off completely. I'm, I'm, I'm mentioning that. Because that was what, back in like the late 80s, early yeah. 90s? This, I mean, Tyler, you asked what, where does hypocrisy <laughs> end? Like, is, is there a destination? <laughs> I think we're always going to struggle with yeah. this one, historically. Yeah. Just looking back, I think we're always going to struggle with it. But I'm also thinking to people in my life who helped to close the credibility gap. Because I was a teenage girl or a child when I saw that happen in my church, I felt a certain kind of way about the hypocrisy I saw in, in my little church growing up, Mm -hmm. but they were not the only examples of Christ I had in my life. Mm. There were other examples that I could look at and see a stark Mm -hmm. difference. And it helped me to be able to tell the difference between somebody who is all in wholly devoted to being more like Jesus And those who just made their Christianity um, something kind of, I don't know, 
less yeah. than. <laughs> I can't even and, find and the right like, word. We always talk, I mean, we're talking a lot about the actions side of things because of course that's a huge part of it, but there's also the part about what we're doing, what we say, it depends on what we say. Do we say we're perfect or do we say we're imperfect trying to be like Jesus? And so, you know, it's a lot easier to, to not be a hypocrite when you admit that you're, you you have shortcomings and that you're not uh, a perfect person. Uh, Sue Rosecrans, she's a, uh, a good friend of mine and she is at the 146th street campus. I think she's a friend of the pod. Uh, but she, she said after the, after this message that she wants to make a t-shirt that says, I'm a Christian and sometimes a jerk. Don't blame Jesus for the jerk. That's all me. (laughs) That's what she wants to put on her shirt. (laughs) And I was, I like that. I like that. (laughs) You're going to ha- Sue, if you wear that shirt, people are going to just stop, stop you and ask you to stand still for like 20 seconds as they read that full statement. <laughs> Tyler's trying to say, Sue, that we need a workshop to get it a little yeah, shorter. Yeah, we got we to shorten that up. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and we will continue to do so. And so I think a big part of closing the credibility gap is admitting when you yeah. have failed. Yeah. Admitting when you have messed up because we're, you know, you can say, hey, don't be a a hypocrite. Just do what you say you're going to do and live the way you say you believe. But we will all in one way or another mess that up. Yeah. At multiple points along the way. I got a I got a T-shirt idea. Yeah. Let's hear it. (laughs) Increase. Increasing my walk while humbling my talk. (laughs) (laughs) I would say I it's won't. It's the new WWJD. <laughs> I won't probably buy that. It's going to spread um, like wildfire. <laughs> huh? I don't know that I'm going to buy that shirt, Tyler. I don't know. Hotcakes, everybody. Hot you think, cakes. You think that'll sell? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Increase my walk. What? Increase your walk. Humble your talk. I don't think. You you increase your walk with God. You humble increase your mouth. You're going to keep doing what you We're say gonna you're going to do. We're going to keep that, Tyler. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Get more steps in. With Jesus. Um, all right. Increase so part of the part of my frustration with the church throughout my life, uh, and we've definitely talked about this, but I forget what you guys told me to do. Um, is when I was in high school, somebody approached me and said, "Hey, there's an opportunity for you to surrender." I'm paraphrasing. There's an opportunity for you to surrender your life to Christ. All you have to do is surrender. That's all you have to do. It's grace. All you have to do is surrender. You don't have to do anything. And then we get to James, <laughs> find out there's a lot of stuff we have to do. And it, it, it isn't just surrender. So is that or part is of it? Huh? I said, I or is same it? Thing. Cause it's, it's ongoing surrender. That's what James is talking about. What they should have said is all you have to do is surrender absolutely yeah. everything from this That's point forward. That's what we forward. mean by surrender your life. It's like, it'd be different. It'd be like, all you got to do is say, these words, or I've got to, all you have to do is surrender. Well, that's once. how it's presented a lot of times. Totally. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I don't think people quite yeah. put the weight of like, all. <laughs> there's a reason Jesus told the rich young ruler, all you got to do is sell everything you have and then come and follow <laughs> me. It's, it's because it was a matter of surrender for him. And yeah, I think it's a, it's a whole life surrender, not a momentary decision that it really yeah. looks like to follow Jesus. 
but, but again, there's like I, all kinds of people. I remember it when I was at Moody, there were all kinds of people debating. They, they would pit James and Paul against each other and they would have these debates <laughs> about like, no, it's just grace that saves you. And they're like, yeah, but, but you know, without, without works, there's no, there's no faith. If yeah. not alive. And they're like, no, sounds like it was a big late night fight. You know, that sounds wild. I cannot believe I missed <laughs> that, that was, wild college time. That our, that's we didn't have any kegs, but we did have late night theological battles. So <laughs> it was a wild experience. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I think, uh, I think the point that James is making is, is less about what it takes to be saved and more about what it looks like when you are saved. Like if you, if you mm-hmm. are, if your faith is real, it will produce fruit. And that fruit is going to look like Jesus. Like you're going to look like Jesus mm-hmm. if your faith is authentic and real. If it's just dead and meaningless, then it is just a label. You know, it's nothing more yeah. than just a title. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what he's saying. I don't think he's saying that you've got to do more than just give your life to Jesus <laughs> to be saved. I think what he's saying is if you give your life to Jesus and, and you're, you know, to be saved, it's going to look like it. You're going to look like a different kind of person because of that. So I have another confession. Yeah. When I was, I don't know, 14 or 15, uh-huh. uh, I went on a trip. Uh, what is it? It was a um, evangelism trip mm-hmm. to the beach. <laughs> to the beach. <laughs> is that is that why you signed up for that trip? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I remember walking around the beach, basically saying to people, um, "You think this is great?" Hey, <laughs> Huh? You think this is great? Let me tell you. Yeah. About surrendering and, your and, life and, and carrying your cross. Yeah. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And saying, can I pray? Can, do you want to do this? Dude? Can I pray this? Pr- I was 14. Yeah. Can I, it's like Desi walking around the beach doing this. But uh, can I pray this prayer with you? Um, And some dude got really, <laughs> got really mad at me. Hmm. Uh, but I, at, the, at the time, I, I like... I was like, no, the, all it takes is this. All it takes is me to pray for you or with you. And that's it. That's it. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to yeah. do. And I was looking back. I'm like, man, I was, I was participating in widening the credibility gap because, hmm. uh, this dude had a really negative experience. He was like ready to fight me. And I was 14 <laughs> and he was a grown man. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I feel like, I mean, I've thought about that encounter a lot throughout my life Hmm. and about how I wish I could have done it differently. Um, but that's, that's how I was told to present things. And of course that's going to sound like hypocrisy if I'm like, Hey, I don't even know who you are, but all you got to do is this one thing and then I'll never see you again. And who knows what you have to do, but I I don't know. Maybe I'm talking bad about what we were set up to do. No, I think I'll cut all this out, but no, I I think, what what has happened in the church, and I, I wonder if Tim's going to talk about this on week three. He might. But what has happened in the church is in, in sort of our modern world, and this is sort of a – look, the reality is the gospel is quite simple. You give your life to Christ. You are, you are transformed. You experience life. Um, and, and you will be resurrected in the new creation for to spend eternity with him, right? That's the, that's the gospel. It's really simple. Just got to give your life to Christ. But what we have done is we have taken the 
power of that gospel as a life transformative message. And we've turned, we've, we've so oversimplified it that we've made it a transaction. Mm -hmm. And we've said that the most important thing is the, that first step is that moment, that one first step. And we, we neglect the fact that what we're doing is we're helping you start a journey and the journey is what mm. is what really matters to, to have your life transformed. And we've put all of our focus on that first step. And and mm-hmm. it doesn't mean the first step is wrong. It is absolutely stepping through that that narrow gate and onto the path of life. Like mm. that is a huge thing. Giving your life to Christ is a moment that if you've been living purely selfishly your whole life to actually surrender, that is a transformative moment. But it's not all that matters. What matters is who you become and what the journey is that you walk after that. And that's, I think what James is getting at. And I know that probably, I don't know that, that might make some people uncomfortable because it sounds like I'm saying that, you know, faith and grace is not enough. It is enough, but it's the journey that shows the effects of that transformation, that, that, that decision. Yeah. Like I think about the scriptures we say all the time at grace, especially as it pertains to the six broken places that we are a masterpiece created to to do good works. Like we are created to be part of the healing. And I think that's where some of what we heard in our childhood was terribly wrong. If it was just, you know, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you know, raise your hand. Thank you. Those who raise their hands, you're going to heaven, you know, like, and then it ended there. If it ended there, that was a travesty. Exactly. See you on the beach. That was a travesty because that was the beginning of the, the transformation through which God and his resurrection power would live in you and help you to actively bring his presence and his healing and his spirit into the world. If we missed that, Mm-hmm. What are we right. doing? Yeah, right. what we are we say, doing? You know, we say, or the scripture says, you know, uh, you got to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Christ is Lord. And we say, okay, so it's a matter of things that you say, and you so you got to make sure to say the right things, without acknowledging the fact that Christ is Lord is a way of saying that Jesus is the master and the King of my life, and therefore everything that I live must be the will of my King. That's what we're saying. When we say right. Christ is Lord, we're saying, okay, he's my emperor now and I'm going to do what he says. Yeah. It's, it's not a matter right. of he's sovereign. It, the, the, the words are not what matter. It's the response to that, that acknowledgement of who Jesus is. That's what matters. Yeah. And unfortunately <laughs> enough of us have not lived in such a way. And so there's just this giant gap. I think if, if every person who ever gave their heart to Christ started behaving humbly like Jesus did acting in self-giving love, not thinking of their own good, but also about the good of others, thinking of others as better than themselves. If every person who called themselves a Christ follower behaved that way, there would be no credibility gap. Right. And, and all we can do is work on that in our own hearts and work on that as one church community. We can encourage one another to love and good deeds as, as the author of Hebrews says, that's what we can do. And I said in the message, I hope and pray that every church is having this conversation right now. And and I think we're going to be forced to, if we don't already start having it, we're going to be forced mm-hmm. to have it soon. But, but all we can take responsibility for is our sphere of influence. And so that's what we're going to do. We're mm-hmm. going to take responsibility for it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to get better. Hmm. Well, I'm really, I mean, 
I'm not excited to go through that. <laughs> I'm not excited <laughs> to feel bad about myself every week, but um, I am excited for the sanctification journey. Yeah. Like I, I, I do, I do know that closing this is important to me. It's important to this church. And even if that's really hard to come to grips with about myself and things that I've done or the way I feel or how people perceive me, um, not just this church or the church or whatever, but me, um, I am excited to, to, to refine myself. Um, Mm. so thank you for getting us off on, on, uh, a good foot for, for it's, it's interesting. I, I know we talked about the credibility gap five or six years ago for the first time. And we've had a little bit of focus on it there, but having a sermon sermon series called the credibility gap, it's like this time capsule of like, this is, this is, uh, what do you call it? <clears throat> Manifesto of how, how to like talk to people, mm. how to, how to, how to be a person for how to, how to be a Christian, how to actually be a Christian for people that think Christianity is lame or they don't like, or they don't like it or whatever. But it's a, it's an interesting uh, series to like go back to week after week after week. And I'm, I'm interested in how people are responding Mm -hmm. uh, when Mm -hmm. we, when we get to week four or five about like, all right, I get it. I'm (laughs) I'm not, I got a a lot to work on, but yeah. Um, So where do we go next? What are we doing? We're going to go and we're going to talk about a topic that, Everybody will breathe a sigh of relief when they hear the topic because they know, okay, that's not my issue. And then when I explain it, everyone will be like, oh, crap, that's my issue. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. I, I do that every I week. Know, I know. I get there and I'm like, hey, all these people need to be paying attention to this. And I'm like, oh, wait. <laughs> We're talking, talking about idolatry. And that's the the word that I'm using to describe the ultimate sin of humanity mm. that happens to be the Achilles heel for every single one of us. Um, it's mm-hmm. all about misplaced allegiances and... Yeah, you'll see. I'll get into it. All right. All right, so we'll be back. So you're preaching. It is still me. So it'll be us three, us three again next week. Uh, We'll be back next week with a new show about idolatry. Can't wait. That'll be, (laughs) that'll be a blast too. So. (laughs) Uh, About idolatry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm picturing like if that were a sitcom, like what that opening montage would look like. It's just like a new A new show about idolatry. (laughs) Sorry. Sometimes my brain. Uh, But for now, Marin, will you please send us out so I can go home and my wife won't kill me? Yes, sir. You've got time to do justly. Love mercy (laughs) and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. Bye.